And you, sir. Mind telling us your name? My name is Carpenter. Would you care to say a few words, Mr. Carpenter? I suppose you're just as scared as the rest of us. In a different way, perhaps. I am fearful when I see people substituting fear for reason. In fact, uh, I would like to thank you, Mr. Carpenter. Thank, thank you very much. I see another gentleman over here in the car. There we go. That was the button I wanted to press. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Way of the Truth Warrior. I'm your host, David Whitehead, and I hope you all had a somewhat pleasant holiday season, Christmas time, Yule tides, solstice, Kwanzaa, all that good stuff. Hope you're having uh, the best possible time with your family over this holiday season. Um, and you know, as best as possible during this in incredible time we live in the war that we are all engaged in right now, uh, I thought I would come on here today and cover some of my notes from the latest installment of Cult of the Medics, Chapter Six. I released it on the twenty-first, right before Christmas. I hope you had time to check it out. It's a longer one, I know. Uh, it's just the, the nature of this. It, I called it missing pieces. So it's a lot of different puzzle pieces that I'm just putting on the table for your consideration and to help flesh out this monstrosity of a thesis that we have to go through with this series. It's, it's so big. I don't even know how to condense it down. So we're doing the best we can, but I hope, uh, I hope it's getting through. And I wanted to go through some more details on some of the notes that I had. It's only a section of the notes that I had. I'm also surrounded by a lot of the books that I was referencing, so we can go through some of those. And I also want to take your questions, concerns, comments um, as I can throughout this, so please stay active in the chat. I'll be checking you guys out there. Uh, let me just see if I have the ability to also pull up my... Um, I just got to pull something up real quick here. But anyways, I hope you're all well. It seems like... It seems like things are just getting more insane, doesn't it? When you look at all the headlines and everything going on. Well, for me, there's an origin of all of this that needs to be looked at. And that's why we're doing this series is because we have to go down to the root of this, the history of it, the secrecy of it, the mystique of it, all of it needs to be brought on the table. Nothing is disconnected from what's happening. It's all connected. So even if chapter six felt a little bit like so much coming at you at once, um, the reason I'm doing that is because I want to get as many of these notes out as possible and give you an archive of your own. And I hope that when you watch these chapters, you take notes of the names that I mentioned, the authors that I mentioned, the books that I mentioned, Pay extra special attention today because I'll be dropping a lot of different sources for you, right? So that way you're not just hearing it from me. And if you're ever discussing these types of subjects with people, you have the eloquence and the, the knowledge base of even if you don't know the answer, you know who does. You know who people should go and read. You know who people should be listening to. I base all of my work on the insiders, on the journalists, on the researchers, on the maverick thinkers, the out-of-the-box thinkers, and my, my goal with this series, whether I'm accomplishing it or not, I hope I am. I'm working hard to try to accomplish it. My goal is to put a massive smorgasbord of information in front of us all 
so that we can reassess all these subjects that I know everybody's got their take on and does their own independent research on. God love you for that. Keep doing that. And uh, how we can maybe put all these puzzle pieces together because there's nothing new under the sun and nothing is disconnected from everything else. It's all connected. It's all connected. I really hope that we, we start to understand that. So um, let me see. Someone just saying, I saw a documentary about the CDC getting the 1918 Spanish flu and decoding the genome in the early 2000s. I'm still doing a lot more research on the Spanish flu. It's actually a tricky thing to research because guess what? Censorship isn't a new phenomena. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought that? I mean, who seriously thought that everything we're seeing with fake news and fake stories and misinformation and missing information that the public is not made aware of? I mean, who, who thought that's just something that happened as of circa 2020? Uh, welcome to the podcast that will help you understand that this goes way back. This is way bigger than we can possibly imagine. So let me just, I'm just kind of taking a look at some of these comments here. So you guys, if you got any questions, um, just so I can see them, please, please chat away and put your thoughts in there. I love it. Uh, pro con doesn't matter. But if you have any actual questions that you want me to address, try to get my, get my attention, make it a good one not a novel, something quick and put it in all caps for me so that I can identify them as I go through. Cause you know me, I tend to go on and I get excited and I cover stuff and then I forget about you guys and I don't want to forget about you guys today. So, um, hopefully we're also streaming right now on the foxhole. I can't see the foxhole right now because my other computer is rendering out something at the moment from my video editor. So I've just got this right now. So love you foxhole. If I can't see your comments or any of that stuff, I, I apologize. I'm here with you and um, I can see Gab and Twitch and I could also see Rockfin. So, all right, let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. What was I going to say? Well, let me just quickly show some of the people that might be coming in that are a little bit new um, where they can go and find all this stuff I'm talking about. I just kind of came on and started talking about a bunch of stuff. Let's see here. You can go over to this website right now, cultofthemedics.com. And I've got everything there for you. And we've got the trailer here. If you want to help get the word out, the trailer is a good way to go. Also, this really good, it's a short little interview. It's under 30 minutes that I did with Sonia Poulton. She does a great job from the UK. And uh, we did just sort of a synopsis of what is Cult of the Medics. So if you just want something... I made that for people coming in. I mean, a lot of you guys that tune into my podcast, you're seasoned veteran warriors, so we don't have to keep rehashing it all. But for the for the new people, for your family, for your friends, where you're just like, hey, you want to check out this series? Check it out. Um, there's a, I think we did a really good job, Sonia and I, of just going through an overview of what the hell this whole project is really all about. So that's a good one to share out. Um, if you need any updates, if you want to stay in touch with updates, if you say you're not into social media, uh, if you are into social media, please go and follow the Cult of the Medics Telegram channel. That is the only Cult of the Medics uh, social media channel that I have right now. And so go follow that channel for all the updates. But if you prefer email, you can also subscribe. And we just send emails on updates and episode drops and announcements, etc. Please go and check out my amazing sponsor, Rise Attire. Uh, we have an incredible collection that they have uh, made here. 
in honor of Cult of the Medics and it's fantastic. The quality is incredible and yeah, go check that out. It, it really helps a lot and I think it's really good quality stuff. There's a little video if you want more on that. We've got the main Cult of the Medics trailer. Um, we've got a few different trailers so you can kind of pick your favorite one if you want to help get it out. Here's my link tree. It's pretty simple, right? Got a little donate button there if anybody wants to do that. A uh, little synopsis of the series, chapter seven coming 2022. I, I'm not getting specific with it. I got to work hard on this one because we are going to be doing pharmacia and the history of pharma, the vaccinations specifically. We're going to get into that. So, because I hear all these people out there going, well, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I just, you know, don't want the government to forcibly inject me with stuff that I don't know what is in there. I'm going to say, well, let's, uh, let's do a whole moratorium on the entire pharmaceutical industry, the history of it. And of course, we have to look at the holy grail of medical science, which is vaccination. And we got to take a look at it. And so being that it's cult of the medics, we're going to be taking a critique. We're doing a critique of that and more. And also the history of where that came from the Greek term pharmakia, both the PH pharmakia and then uh, the F-A-R-M pharmakia. Uh, that I'm going to be rolling out as an idea for you guys. So go check that out. All right. So there we go. All that introductions out of the way. Is everybody comfy? Oh, we got SMR, pa SMR Patriot. If the government want everybody jabbed, why would they allow it? Why would they allow a testing out? Why would they allow a testing? I wonder if he meant if are they changing the testing? Is that what you're referring to there? If the government wanted everybody jabbed, why are they allowing testing? Look, I don't even think the government knows what they want anymore. They're just reading orders from the uh, the top of the cult pyramid, and they just do what they're told because they're all just little peons. They're pawns on the chessboard. Please don't make the mistake of assuming that your government is in control right now. Uh, that is not the case. They are simply managers, very similar to the manager that you're going to find at Burger King, who knows just enough to manage that one location and a bunch of minimal paid employees. And that's about it. They don't sit at the CEO board level. They don't know the direction of the entire Burger King chain. They just do what they're told. Okay, that's your government. The real government, this deep state secret government, well, you're in the right place to learn all about that. So, yes. Okay, what's the first thing we're going to look at today? Let me see. Should I do some readings for you from a couple of these little books I got here? Let me just take a quick little peek. Let me come back for a minute. I just kind of threw this together, guys. I'm not, uh, I just want to go through stuff and keep this really chill, super cozy. I got a nice tea here. This is the tea I've been drinking. I went and got some dandelion root tea from my local health food store, organic dandelion root. Who knew the dandelions that everybody hates and just cuts them all up were so medicinal? So dandelion root, and then I've got some pine needle extract, high quality pine needle extract uh, that I put in there. And I also put some more dandelion root extract in there. And that's it. Just a little hot tea. That's what I'm drinking today. Because I definitely had my fair share of eggnog and scotch <laughs> over the holidays. I have to go do some uh, back to the running and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know, health, like preventative things that you could do to stay healthy and fit. Those are always good things. I wonder why they never told us about those. That's kind of weird. Hey, eh? why didn't they tell us about 
how to be healthy and lose weight and and uh, build a healthy immune system. Okay, what are we doing here? All right, so just a quick few little, these are just some of the, you can see all my books. I got so many of these books. Um, I've got all kinds of little bookmarks in them. This one is Jim, Jim Mars, Rule by Secrecy. May he rest in peace. I had the interview, I had the opportunity to interview him twice and meet him in person in Philadelphia before he sadly passed away. Uh, just, you know, another Patriot journalist covering this stuff for a long time. Um, and his book rule by secrecy, just it, it's a classic. These are the classics guys. These are what I started with, you know, and this is one of his biggest ones. And it says on the back, what secrets connect Egypt's great pyramids, the Freemasons, the Illuminati and the council on foreign relations. And he kind of came out ahead of his time, right? With this stuff. And there were other guys that were talking about this, but Jim Mars was old school journalist, old school journalist. He wrote all this stuff about the assassination of JFK and then got really deep into all these different elements. And he had a few little bits in here about the Knights of Malta. Because, of course, we did a section in Chapter 6 called uh, The Order of the Alchemists. And that was the title that Philip Gardner gave them, the Knights of Malta in Rome, the Vatican Army, another extension of the, of the sort of uh, clandestine deep church that Archbishop Vigano got into. And I got some more from Archbishop Vigano coming up soon here, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, the Order of the Alchemists, the Dark Al Alchemists, the Black Magicians, you know, were they all bad? Were they all good? Was it all just, you know, black and white? I think it was a much more nuanced history, a little bit of everything. Uh, the West Western civilization actually uh, owes something to these knightly orders, the Templars, the Malta Knights, etc., for defending the West against the invasion of the Islamic and Ottoman empires and all that. But there was a lot of dark, evil stuff that also went on behind the scenes, and it ended up becoming a jostling for power. Um, and there were a lot of betrayals. There was a lot of conspiracy. There was a lot of assassinations. There was a lot of overturning. There was a lot of changing of the original, um, maybe, ethos of these knightly chivalric orders. And they eventually got infested with these black magicians, very similar to what we heard from people like the Duke of Brunswick, who was talking about the infiltration of many of the Freemasonic lodges in Germany at the time that he spoke about it in the 1700s. And we cover that in chapter five. So anyways, here's what Jim Mars had to say. He's got a good little chronology here. In addition to extraordinary secrecy, Bones members, because he was talking about the Skull of Bones, you know that happy-go-lucky little fraternity group over at Yale University that a lot of your former presidents were all members of, and admittedly so. Uh, so Skull of Bones members were required to leave the room if anyone would mention the group. The order has its own membership designations. Neophyte members are called knights after the fashion of earlier secret societies, such as the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, or the Knights of St. John. Once a full member, he is known as a patriarch, one honored as a founding father. Outsiders are derogatorily referred to as Gentiles or Vandals. Author Anthony Sutton noted that the active membership in Skull and Bones comes from a core group of perhaps 20 to 30 families. And first we find old line American families who arrived on the East Coast in the 17th century. And he lists a whole bunch of these different families like Whitney, Lloyd Phelps, Wadsworth, Allen, Bundy, Adams, and so on. 
And uh, Anthony Sutton wrote, second, we find families who acquired wealth in the last hundred years sent their sons to Yale and in time became almost old line families. Examples were the Harrimans, the Rockefellers, the Paynes, the Davidsons. He keeps going through that. Where were some of these other? I just want to find his little bits on the Knights of Malta here. Um, let me see. Yeah, here we go. The scandals, he's going through all these scandals that were taking place in Italy with the Grandmother Lodge and all this and the scandals within Freemasonry at the time. And he said, the scandal also involved a little-known group connected to the Freemasons called the Knights of Malta, which inherited the military orders of the old Knights Templar. So it was a little bit in chapter six where Philip Gardner, I played a little, a few little selected pieces from his really good documentary, which you should watch the whole thing. Um, I just put some of the ones I wanted you guys to know about. These are just us looking over these notes, you know, getting a, getting a vision of this big picture uh, where he was going through that history of how when the Templars were disbanded officially by the Pope and they, you know, they burnt them at the stake and, you know, they got, they got all these guys rounded up. A lot of people don't know about the history of the Cistercian orders that were actually, as uh, Michael Tessarian puts it, the, they were the clerics working really behind these chivalric knightly orders, which so the knightly orders themselves had their duties because they were just other cogs in the wheel, right, for the Vatican army. Um, but then when the Vatican had its own little battle with the Knights Templar, because they started really bringing in all these Far Eastern mystical traditions and violating the Catholic papacy orders, etc., um, I think they were also in, they are getting too big for their britches. The Templars were the first international bankers of the world. Um, and they gained incredible amounts of wealth and power, namely, I think, because of the the type of knowledge that they gained access to when they went into Jerusalem and the far, in the Middle East, et cetera, in their various escapades. And they uncovered a lot. And y they used that for gaining more power of their own to rival the Catholic church. So they got to get rid of, you know, when the gang, when the lower level gang members start to come up close to the boss level, the boss gets worried about takeover. So they go, all right, squash that branch. We can't have that. We can't have any competition within our own ranks. So they officially disband the Templars. Well, what do you think they did with all the knowledge and the wealth, the unimaginable amounts of wealth that a lot of these orders had accrued? through their various escapades. Um, well, of course, they needed to absorb it. So the Catholic Church, essentially, after they created the sovereign military order of Malta, they inherited the Templar wealth. That, that wealth was handed over and then reintegrated into their own ceremonies. And I think that was also part of how uh, Philip Gardner starts to hint at the changing from the old classic knights to the Renaissance knights uh, version where this, this knowledge and this, this occult stuff and this magical tradition and this power and money and influences started gaining, they started getting some real dark people in there. And they basically absorbed that knowledge and that wealth and then built the next branch out of, of, the, of the Holy Roman Empire through the, through the Knights of Malta. So that's just a quick little synopsis of, I think, what he's mentioning here. So... John J. Raskob, one of the 13 founders of the American Order of the Knights of Malta, was involved in the abortive coup against President Roosevelt in the early 1930s, foiled only after Marine General 
Marine Major General Smedley Butler blew the whistle on the scheme. And actually, Smedley Butler is a really great guy to read on conspiracy in America, the infiltration of America. Smedley Butler. We don't go to lowbrow people, man. We go to the top of the chain here. So, um, and then, of course, the modern American knights included CIA directors John McCone and William Casey. They're Knights of Malta. Casey, along with Reagan's first Secretary of State, Alexander Haig, have been connected to, the, to a fellow knight named Licio Gelli, who during the 18, or 1980s turned a little-used Italian Masonic Lodge into what was termed a worldwide fascist conspiracy with the help of the Mafia, the Vatican Bank, and the CIA. And this is the Propaganda Masonica, Due 2, better known as the P2 Lodge of Freemasonry, was founded in Italy in 1877 to serve Italian Freemasons visiting Rome. And Gelli, who became a Mason in 1963, had gained control over the P2 Lodge by 1966 and increased the membership from 14 to nearly 1,000. Obviously, Gelli had help. And he gets into an Italian journalist that connects, that's getting into, uh, the fact that he was claiming the CIA was actually part of funding the P2 Lodge. And um, it was a charge that was echoed by CIA contract agent Richard Benneke in 1990. So there was some more corroboration on this. So yeah, the P2 Lodge, the connection, the Vatican, you just have to understand, these are all just little ancillary satellite groups that operate on behalf of the Holy Roman Empire. That never went away, just like the Nazi Reich Empire never went away. They just morph and change over time, and then they get into those key positions in your most cherished and trusted trusted institutions, and they start to work into those positions to achieve whatever their object objectives might be. So you've got whole chapters on that. Um, yeah, here we go. This is a quote from uh, Bajant and Lay in there. I'm trying to remember what book they were. He's re referencing here. Let me just get some context for you. Well, let's just read this little bit. Okay, he's got a whole bit here. Here's a quick little... Okay, this is the page I was looking for. In other parts of Europe, most Templars shaved their conspicuous beards and blended into the gen general population. A few were tried, found not guilty, and released. In Germany, intimidated judges released the Templars, who promptly joined other orders, such as the Knights of Christ, the Teutonic Knights, and the Knights Hospitallers. So it's kind of like a very similar situation to maybe what happened after Nuremberg in Germany, where they originally round them all up. They're like, okay, look at this, this evil here. Um, and then they try these guys and only certain one of these lieutenants and generals get hung or have justice served. Whereas a bunch of these other guys get scattered all over Argentina, Canada, you know, they got brought into the U S through this operation paperclip, which, uh, there's a whole book. I actually just got this for Christmas. The Vatican rat line, the Vatican, the Nazis and the new world order, classic short read, great info. Um, but yeah, so what happens is they try these guys, they do a sort of mock trial. They get rid of some of them. The world thinks evil has been routed out and we're back to normal again, only to find out that all these top guys, the guys who got all the scientific knowledge, the guys that learned all this stuff out of these black projects that the Nazis were working on they get brought into America and the West and 
what do you think happens? Do you think they just stop being stop being ideologues of these Masonic ancient fool society cults? Or do you think they actually have an influence to a point where they actually change the direction of these intelligence agencies, you know, et cetera? So we got to you know, really think about history in a different way. We can't accept the official start and end fashion of the modern historians where they look at it as well. There was a rise of evil and then we beat it and then we're, you know, come on. Like these guys know how to adapt to their environment because they're expert strategists, right? And who writes the history books? Who writes the history books? Same people that write your news media every day. Um, so in other parts of Europe, most Templars, yeah, blah, 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 we did that. The Hospitallers began about 1070 before the First Crusade. And by the way, we know that it goes way back to the fourth sect and the, you know, the John the Baptist cult. And it goes way, way, way back there. What was it? The Benedictines. They go way back, way back. Um, a few were tried, not found not guilty. Oh, I keep jumping there. Here we go. Ah, oh, yeah, here we go. The group of Italian merchants established a hospital dedicated to St. John in Jerusalem. After crusades took the city in 1099, the hospitalers organized as an order and a grand master was selected. While not initially a military order, the Knights of St. John, known simply as the hospitalers at that time, became more militant as the Templars rose to prominence. With the loss of the Holy Land, the hospitalers fell back to Cyprus along with the Templars. After the destruction of the Templars, the hospitalers gained much of their property, which only increased their already prosperous and powerful order. Later, they were forced to retreat to Rhodes. When a third siege by the Turks finally took the island in 1522, the order relocated to the island of Malta, where they would become the sovereign and military order of Malta, or simply the Knights of Malta. Today, the Knights of Malta are headquartered in Rome under the direct supervision of the Pope, probably more likely the Black Pope, and are recognized by more than 40 countries as a sovereign nation. And they also sit on the United Nations, as a nation. A British offshoot known as the Templars of the St. John's of Jerusalem is a Protestant order and is headquartered in London and headed by the king or the queen. According to David Icke, the Catholic and the Protestant wings are in fact the same organization at the highest level. Both were the same force as were and are the Teutonic Knights. All were involved in the same things, including banking and used the same vicious, unscrupulous methods to get their way. End of that quote. Modern Americans connected to the Knights of Malta include the late CIA directors William Casey and John McCone, Chrysler Chairman Lee uh, Iacocca, columnist William F. Buckley, Joseph P. Kennedy, U.S. Ambassador to the Vatican William Wilson, Claire Booth Luce, and the former U.S. Secretary of State Alexander Haig. And then Dr. Luge, Dr. Luigi Guetta, the head of Catholic Action, was decorated by the Knights of Malta for his liaison work between the Vatican, the CIA, and the European movement of Joseph Redinger, the father of the Bilderbergers. Today, the Order of Malta is believed to be one of the primary channels of communication between the Vatican, the CIA, Vatican and the CIA. And that was what was written by uh, Bajan and Ley, I believe. Uh, what the, what's the name of their book? It'll come to me. You guys probably know. Um, yeah, today there are no fewer than five organizations in existence alleging one or another species of direct descent from the Templars. So they're kind of writing it as 
they basically track their lineage to the Templars, the Hospitallers, the Knights of Malta, the Knights of St. John, the Freemasons, the Rosicrucians, and perhaps others all trace their lineage to the Knights Templar and their esoteric knowledge recovered from under Solomon's temple. It just goes on and on. So some great little bits from Jim Keith. I just want to see what I had here from, uh, or no, that's Jim Mars. Sorry, this is Jim Keith. This is Jim Keith. Let me just see what he had to say. I think this was on the CIA stuff. Because the way I see it, CIA, Vatican, Jesuits, Templars, all the same. Um, yeah, this is a this is a great book. I keep showing it, but I keep wanna keep wanna bring it up. Mass control, engineering human consciousness. There's a whole chapter in here on Dr. Delgado, right? Yeah, here it is. The Spaniard, Dr. Jose Manuel Rodriguez Delgado, who studied medicine and taught physiology in Madrid, casts a long shadow in early CIA mind control research. Delgado is the man who perfected the Stimosiever, a tiny electronic device that is implanted into brains of humans and animals and is used to transmit, transmit electrical impulses directly to the brain. Delgado came to the United States in 1950 to work at Yale University, where he was to remain for more than 20 years. He was financed. Always good to follow the money. He was, he was financed. Where's my spot? What are I doing myself here? Uh, he was financed by a number of agencies, including the Office of Naval Intelligence, which was also used to channel CIA funds. Unlike many of the researchers at the edge of behavioral control who seek anonymity, we are familiar with a good deal of Delgado's early research because he authored a book on the subject called Physio Physical Control of the Mind Towards a Psycho-Civilized Society. That's the name of the guy's book, okay? So basically, he wrote a book advocating for the use of mind control, which the experimentation came out of the CIA, which they probably inherited boatloads of knowledge on the human psyche from these other Vatican Knights Templar, Knights of Malta type groups who've, who've carried that for a long time. And they kept building it out. And this guy, Delgado, was just one of many of the public faces that we do know about. There are many who are anonymous, as he's saying. But the one of the guys that we do know because he actually came out and published a book where they were advocating for mind control techniques in on the masses of people so that they could create what they called a psycho-civilized society. So basically using mind control to achieve <laughs> the human farm, the, the most effective human resources management system ever known. Because now they didn't have to just rely on, you know, infecting all the religions and infecting all the priestcraft and getting ideas into your head just by communication. They want to plant signals in your brain. Now, they have, now, now they've got the technology where they can start building the technology inside of you to alter your physiology and your psychology. Do you want people with their grimy little hands in your mind knowing the track record of just the last 200 years or more? Everybody's all excited to become superhuman and, and implant technology in themselves because that sounds cool, right? Could, could alleviate a lot of problems with that. Why are they always selling that stuff to you as medical advancement? We're going to put microchips in you so that we can track you. If you ever have a heart attack, we know where to find you. See, it's for your health. We're going to put brain implant chips in you so that we can, we can start 
We can get rid of any sad feelings that you have. You, you, are you tired of dealing with the existential crisis of what it is to be a human being living on a planet? You don't like that? A little bit too, too much heavy thinking for you? Thinking for yourself? Not to worry. We'll take the reins. We'll take the reins. You don't need to control your mind anymore and deal with all that confusion and emotion and trauma. We'll just delete that and install the officially approved mode of how to be a human being. That's what this guy Delgado was saying. And what I think it was chapter three, I quoted him. It's the one where we're flying through the lightning clouds and I just have these quotes coming up where he's literally saying hum human beings don't have a right to control their own minds. They don't have a right to think for themselves. They don't have a right to be autonomous and free. They, these people hate freedom as an idea. They're anti-freedom. That's what they are openly admitted. There's no hiding it. They brag about it. And look, look at your media now. And who runs and owns them? Who filters down? What is, who writes those teleprompter scripts? They're out there telling you, you don't have a right to even breathe without our permission. Right? But they knew everybody would bite down on it because of all these decades and centuries of research they did. So when you know this now, everybody's like, where's the solution, Dave? I'm sick of the bad news. Yeah, well, there's the good news. The good news is always wrapped around the bad news because the only reason any of this bad stuff is happening that we're seeing, the only reason the assault on freedom, on freedom and what it is to be human is happening is because we're ignorant of, of this that I'm telling you. If we were knowledgeable of it and that was mass, there was mass awareness of this, even on a basic level, these guys would be out of business. There would be no cult leaders because there would be no cult followers, right? Does that make sense? So that's my goal here. If you want a nice warm back rub from somebody, go sign up to Gaia or something like that. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to give you the facts and the truth. And until we face the dark side, there ain't going to be no light side, okay? Sorry, I just had to say that because people want to tune out when it gets to the bad news and it gets to the dark history. But, you know, you got to look, you got to know. That's how, you, that's how you develop immunity to it. That's a vaccine for you. It's a vaccine for your mind. And it, there's no injection needed. The vaccine is to expose yourself just enough to this corruption and tyranny and evil so that you can build immunity and resistance to it. Otherwise, it's going to be what we see. Everybody just, where's the next? How many masks now? How many shots? Can I travel? Can I breathe? And people just go along with it simply because these guys have the psychology manuals sitting all around them at all times. So anyways, read that. Learn about Jose Delgado. He's just a drop in the pond too. It's just, it's interesting how we get these little glimmers of this coming out to the surface. And now we're in the time where it isn't all locked up in some secret cabin or some secret library somewhere. They're just saying this stuff now. So you want to know why? Someone like me at the beginning, and I know many of you as well, because I have an educated audience here. And shout out to you guys. Thanks for being here. But those who, who know this, this is why we were able to predict what was going to happen with this pandemic scam. We knew from the beginning because we knew that the evil hadn't been routed out. We knew that, that already for decades, the West has been getting infiltrated. Anywhere else you live in the world, Latin American countries, African nations, Middle Eastern countries, you guys have already been colonized long ago. You know that, right? That's why everybody comes to the West because they think, well, that's the place where freedom 
exists and opportunity and all the good things. But now you come here and you find out we're, we're, top, we're infiltrated top to bottom. It already happened, but it happened in a different way. It happened in a much more subtle way. And so to unravel how that happened and how it got to be this way, we need to go to these great minds who tracked it the whole time. Insiders, people who were there, people like Dr. John Coleman, this guy didn't just wake up one day and go, I want to write a cool book that'll sell all these copies of these books. And I want to become a famous author. No, no, no. The guy was doing his own independent research on this. He was there. He spoke to these people. He was, he re, this is, these are the people that were there. Carol Quigley, professor from Georgetown University, one of Bill Clinton's mentors who actually approved of the new world order plan. He was part, he was like, yeah, this sounds good to me, but he still at least had the conscience enough to go, well, people should know about it though. That's where I disagree with them. People should know that they're looking to depopulate. People should know that they're looking to destroy sovereign nations and individual autonomy. And they want you in a new globalist world where you're better controlled because they look at you as a bunch of crazy animals that are undisciplined. That's how they see you. Like, like you said, they look, you look at you as the unclean, the unwashed, the ignorant masses that they secretly help keep you that way, by the way. Whereas I'm here to say, yeah, but there's those guys, those black, the dark magicians. But what about all the, where's, where's all the great teachers that were there to inspire humanity? Krishnamurti, Bruce Lee, Nikola Tesla, Walter Russell, Raymond Reif. I name them all. Just keep track of that through this series. It's not all bad news at all, at all. So that's, that's that. I don't know if I had, I think I had one more here. Let me see what Gary Wayne was saying. Oh, I didn't have it bookmarked. I have this book from Gary Wayne, The Genesis 6 Conspiracy. Um, we've had him on, look how thick that is. You will learn about the detailed history of the genealogy, the symbolism. He comes from a Christian perspective. So, um, but he's, he's kind of a, he's also a heretic in the Christian world for stating certain things. And I like heretics these days. I like Mavericks because we got so stuck in our way of thinking that we need to see things from a different perspective. And these are the kind of authors that are good at that. And he's one of the experts on these secret societies. He's one of the experts on these Knights of Malta, the Vatican, the New World Order. He's one of the experts. He lives in Vancouver. Brilliant guy. We've had him on Unslaved multiple times. We did a whole series with him just on the Knights Templar. Someone like that with Tessarian and myself talking about the Knights Templar, unslaved.com. Go check that out. Um, because that's stuff we need to know. All right, let me go back to some... Actually, let me check the comments. Did you guys have any more questions popping out in here? Good conversations going on. Isn't that an island? Yes, Malta is an island, if that's what you're talking about. Um, I would love to go to Malta. David, can you please check out my post on Pilled? I think you'll like it. 1,000 foot view. On pilled. Oh, I barely even check. How do I check posts on pilled? Was it just a comment or something? Here, drop it in here if you could, uh, Doopy Montana, or uh, throw it in my Cult of the Medics Telegram chat. We can do it like that too, if it's too if it's too long. But okay. In the meantime, let's go back to some screen sharing here. Let's go through some stuff. All right. I found this. Didn't know about this. This is a Swedish order. This is just us kind of, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to say every order is somehow here, but we know the origin of where these orders came from, right? 
We know the fact that the corruption took place. The evidence of the world we're living in is all we need to know because it's under these guys' watch that this stuff is happening. So if there's super benefit, uh, if they're a benign, if all these Masonic groups and knightly orders and, and royal orders and papacies and Vatican's and Jesuits, if they're all the good guys, why the hell is the world an absolute swamp of corruption, death, disease, tyranny, and evil? <laughs> so they're not doing a good job if they're the good guys. This is why we're suspicious. And there's many reasons to be. So here we go. This is just a, a little, this is an interesting, the order, the royal order of the seraphim. The seraphim were what? What were the seraphim? Tell me in the chat. Now you could go, oh, well, they're just, they're Catholic orders. So of course they're going to name it after different heavenly angel groups, angelics, angels, angels. Or we could also look at that word angel. That's just an English word where it's the origin of these words. And actually, when you look in the places like the Bible or many of these ancient texts and you see the word angel or angels, Oftentimes, when you go to the ancient Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, you'll find that they're not all a universal description of the same group of beings. So that gives a bit of a problem when you're reading through and you're going, oh, there's an angel group there, and these angels over here, and these angels over there. You forget that when it's translated into English, a lot gets dropped off in terms of the original meaning and intention behind what was supposed to be said. So that's why you need the uh, hidden keys to decode it all, right? It takes a lifetime to achieve, but these guys are... They know what they're doing at the top of this stuff. Trust me. So anyways, Order of the Seraphim could be the, uh, could be getting into some of the fallen angels stuff here. This is an interesting group. I want to get into the, oh, is this the page where we can see their, their symbolism? Because we can speculate all day, but the symbolism is, is where we need to start getting this. So this goes into the history of all the groups of these different seraphim so yeah, 1700s, there we go. All princes, dukes, kings, monarchs that are all part of these orders, right? Men and women, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I just want to find the symbols. I was hoping this would be the symbolism page. Hold on. Oh, here we go. This is the symbol here. Oh no, that's just the royal, the royal seal. Like what's up with all these royal seals? Oh, look at that, Napoleon Bonaparte. What was that about? Was he part of this? Sorry, guys, I might be on the wrong page. There, it's it's a really long. You can just go through the the history of it. Uh, let me go. I really want to show you this symbol. Okay, Wikipedia, stop begging us. Get out of my face. If you stop censoring us, we'll start maybe donating a little bit more. Okay, how about that? Stop censoring good authors and researchers. Um, I'm just going to try something here real quick because this is not the page. It's not the page. Royal Order of the... There we go. Here we are. All right, let's do a little zoom. Check that out. I'm just going to let that sit on the page for a minute, and I want you to look at it, and I'm not going to say anything. Get detailed with your vision and tell me what kind of things start popping out at you. Okay, how many points on the star? What's up with the double crosses? What's up with the triple crowns? What's up with the colors? You know, just start going through it.
Oh yeah, Miso 2343, more homework, Seraphim. There's so many more generations now. Yeah, oh, you wouldn't believe how many of these little offshoot nightly and papal orders that are all over the world, okay? And the reason I keep bringing you guys back to Rome is because trust me when I say all roads lead to Rome. When, it, when we're talking about the modern apex, the head of the snake, look no further. Well, look anywhere you want, but there's a, there's a hierarchy to this stuff, okay? We're talking power and wealth like you can't even imagine. Do you know that even the Roman Empire, what was since the Roman Empire till now has only been a little fragment of history in terms of how long the Roman Empire controlled the world. And then when you go back to the Egyptian period, oh my God, the time from the fall of Egypt till now is but a fraction of how long the Egyptian pharaonic dynasties ruled. Okay, not all bad either. Just, just to give you an idea of history. So you want to know why everybody's into this Egyptian symbolism? And then if you really know your stuff, you'll know that this goes well before Egypt. What, came, what was before Egypt? What's behind Egypt in history? That's the pre-Diluvian civilizations. That's your Atlantis. That's your Lemuria. That's, you know, the forgotten lands. The Arctic homeland, the ancient history. That's where all this symbolism and these genealogies and lineages and this knowledge actually comes from. It wasn't born in Egypt, just like it wasn't born in Rome or just like it wasn't born in the British Empire. It wasn't born in America. It wasn't born in some Masonic fraternity somewhere. Wasn't even born in the Catholic Church. It goes way above them and beyond that. But to understand modern politics and intrigue and conspiracy, you need to know about Rome. So let me give you my quick analysis here. And thanks for everybody. Yeah, IHS. Thank you, Sky Sub. Angels. Angles. Did you who said that? Yes. Bodina. Bravo. Angels equal angles. Angles of what? What are angels? They're beings of what? Beings of light? Well, angles, angels, little play on the word, angles of light, refracted light. You are light, right? All the subatomic particles, the photonic light that animates your cells and gives you life. Everything is it's all light. It's light and dark. It's yin and yang, right? But these guys know the science of it. They understand the science of it. And they understand how to use it to their advantage, okay? So look at that. What was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Am I accurate there? Is that a... Oh, no, that's an eight-pointed star. What is an... <laughs> this is just... Eight-pointed star, right? Am I... If my eyes deceive me? No? Eight-pointed star. What object in the sky has been ascribed the number eight... Looking in the chat. It's the sun. It's the sun. Okay. It has eight points. Good. Okay. Thanks, Vanina. It's the sun. Thank you, Aqua Grunt Matt. I love these names. <laughs> Good job. Um, will there be a seventh chapter of your series? Absolutely, Dizzy the One. There will be 12 chapters of this series. I'll make this series until I'm dead if I have to, okay? But I plan 12, and chapter seven is pharmacia. We're getting into pharmacia, okay? And the vaccine shit. Um, so yeah, the sun, the sun. And there's a whole world of stuff. One of the notes I had in there was there's a really good, is it a book or a film? I think it's a book. There's a whole website 
I should look it up, but it's, um, it's about the cult of Saturn, which Saturn, it's not Saturn really. People aren't worshiping Saturn. It's Set, Setian Actinist. That's the real, but this guy does a good job of going through. I'd like to get this person on the show actually to pick their brain. I'm still going through their, their whole, the whole thesis, but there's a really fascinating history of the sun in that uh, whole history that he gives you in that book. I'll try to find it for you guys. Okay. So yeah, I just thought it's awarded by the monarch of Sweden. Okay. I'll zoom out a little. Well, actually I kind of don't mind it being this big. So the Royal order of the seraphim, here's the Swedish. It's a being a category of angels. Okay. A category of angels. There's many categories. It's a Swedish order of chivalry and ladies out there. God love you. I know we've been brainwashed by Disney and Hallmark to think of chivalric knights as being these gallant, moral, um, you know, knights in shining armor that just come in to save the princess and save the day. And they're very chivalrous. And where's chivalry? Chivalry's dead. Chivalry's not dead. In fact, I would have to say, when you really look at what chivalry was, not all the parts of it, okay? Because it was grafted. There was something that was... Like all things, there was a good intention and then it got messed up. But chivalry was another way of saying obedient to the royal houses and the and the, the papal houses. That was the real definition of chivalry was loyalty to the king or the emperor or the pope or the pharaoh or the Caesar, right? That's the chivalrous one. And when you understand the dark uh, sort of witch cults, that took over many of the royal houses of Europe in the guise of, you know, these Queen Victorias and all this stuff, the, the vicious queens of European history that nobody wants to read about. Um, they demanded that the male knights show their allegiance to the royal queens and princesses of Europe um, and also the kings. But a lot of these guys were just figureheads for other deeper cults. So chivalry, there's a dark side of chivalry is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So when they say chivalry, don't let that blind you to go, oh, then they're the good guys. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. And again, I'm not saying in all times and places, but I'm talking in general of the, the orders here. Okay. So then you got, uh, so this is basically a Swedish order created by King Frederick I in 1748 together with the order of the sword and the order of the polar star. Just for <laughs> guys, I'm literally just, I just hovered my cursor over this one. Holy crap. Okay. I'm waiting on this one. This just gets better and better. I don't even have to plan this stuff. It just happens. Okay. Let me just quickly show you a couple things I noticed here. You guys are good with this symbol. You picked it out. You got your eight pointed sun star. Do you see the double cross of Lorraine in there? What's that term double cross? What does that usually mean when we, when we say it as a, as a figure of speech? Oh, they double-crossed me. It's, 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 a, it's something that denotes betrayal, isn't it? <laughs> the double And it's called the double-cross of Lorraine. And I just find that interesting. And there's a deeper study on it, but the double-cross of Lorraine, interesting. And then you got your blue colors here, royal blue, royal blue. Actually, you can get one of the hoodies from Cult of the Medic, uh, from the uh, Rise of Tyre in the royal blue. Um, just as a sort of, but the Royal blue, the blue degrees of what the red and blue degrees, 
and red and blue aren't those some of the two, aren't those the two pillar colors in the light spectrum all right red and blue red white and blue right it's all there um so the blue interesting color nothing wrong with blue i'm not i'm just just pointing these things out because what happens is you just see it everywhere that are on the emblems of some of these dark sorcerers and you go what's up with that why does it why is it so universal what does it mean to them? That's what I'm saying. What does it mean to them? Not what it means to you. The sky is blue. The sun is housed in the sky. It takes its 12 Horus steps across the sky during the day, and then it goes through the 12 underworld cycle steps at night. Horus, hours. How many hours in the day? 12 Horuses in the day, right? And the sun sits in the blue background. There's your cross. Solstice, equinox, right? Nothing about feeding the poor and helping anybody or being goodly or Christian here. Trust me. These are the most powerful people in the world. This emblem is probably worth more than the wealth of certain nations, okay? <laughs> so, yet they're the ones telling you, make sure you donate to the Red Cross and the Salvation Army because we just don't have enough to go around, guys. You little people that can barely pay your bills, you're the ones that have to donate to charity. We're, we're going to be the ones running the charities and sitting on our golden thrones, okay? Is that okay with you? The world goes, yep. Just tell me what to do. And look at it. It's, the, it's actually called the star of the order. The star, the sun is a star. So it's a sun cult, ancient sun cult. Nothing wrong about the sun. Nothing even wrong with people that worship the sun in the ancient times. Most religions in the world have no idea that they're sun worshippers anyways, grafted onto a bunch of mythology. But either way, however you want to look at it, what do they believe with it? They worship the dark side of the sun, the hidden elements. The sun is the symbol of power, the lion in the sky. They want that heavenly power on earth. So they are envious of the sun. That's how they look at it, okay? So you got your double cross. And then what do you got here? You got your triple crown, triple crown. Now they're going to tell you, well, the triple crown, David, is, uh, it's, uh, has nothing to do with the Pope, the Pope, the papal triple crown, or, you know, the Washington DC, uh, Switzerland, London, city of London, triple crown, nothing about ruling the world at all. It's the, the nails of Christ. It's the, you know, the, they nailed them with three, three nails. That's what it means. So why are you putting a crown there? Why not just put nails? It doesn't make any sense unless you know that the triple crown is talking about in the symbol, at least from this background, is talking about the triple crown, the triple rule. That was the pride of that. That was what all the kings fought over. They didn't want to just be the king of England or the king of France or the king or queen of Germany. They wanted or Sweden. They wanted the triple crown. They wanted to control the three major sphere, there's three major domains that would eventually equate to world control. But let's, you guys already nailed that one. Then you got your IHS, right? Jesus Christ, symbol. They, for them, that's what they mean. But again, they're hiding behind the light, guys. That's the Jesuits right there, okay? And trust me, those guys have nothing to do with the Christ. Nothing whatsoever. They just like to dress up in the costume. So let's just, <laughs> let's go do this one now. The Order of the Sword. Look at this one. Uh, Swedish order of chivalry, right? 
interesting cross, you know, it's just right there. And by the way, did you notice, first of all, it's kind of Star Trek-y here. Interesting, right? You got your royal blue and Sweden loves this type of blue. It's all over their stuff. Um, there's a reason, but you got your Malta cross. You have another rendition of it here. I find this interesting. I've, I've never seen this rendition of this cross. Usually the top, these are all four directional points, the four cardinal points. That's what it is. And the four cardinal points of north, south, east, and west all point into the center, indicating the ruler of the four cardinal points of Sweden or of whatever, right? At the top levels, these guys don't even know this. They probably don't even know this. They're run from these uh, secret societies in Rome and England and such, in Switzerland, the, the octagons, right? But you got your four directional points pointing in, control of the earth. It's also an unfolded pyramid. I got that from Michael Tessarian as well. He brought that out on one of my shows. So it's a three, if, you, if you made it a 3D image and you fold them all down inside, it's a pyramid. Okay. This one, though, is, is interesting, where you've got them angled to the side. That's just interesting. Just a different version of it. So you got your, look at the hierarchy here. I wonder if I can zoom in a little bit more without blowing this all up. There we go. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay. There we go. That's better, eh? You guys can see that okay? All right. So look at that. You got your swords. You got the, there's four crowns embedded in here. Okay. It, the, the, the royal inner circle is protected by the knightly chivalric orders guarded from all sides. They control all four directional points. You got your triple crowns again. But then you have the big crown on the top. Who gets that one? Right? Because you got your four, you got your little crowns. Okay. In my opinion, this symbol looks very much like the compartmentalized military structure I was talking to you guys about. There's an order, there's a chain of command. Okay. And again, nothing evil about the thing. But if you were going to achieve and maintain control, you would need a structure like this to achieve it, right? You would need a hierarchy. You would need a compartmentalized hierarchy, most importantly, where these little lower lords and kings and queens, they only know what they need to know so that they get their, they get their little rewards, right? But then you got the real show, the real, the real rulers. And they always show you this. The crown is always sitting at the top. Okay. And the crown doesn't necessarily just mean the royals. It means the rulers, the archons. Archon is another word for ruler. And this also, it's, it's, so it's, it's kind of like you got this, it's this royal rule from the top down, right? Down through the hierarchy. And it's sort of disconnected from the rest. Kind of like the disconnected capstone of the pyramid on the back of the $1 bill in America. But let's just do a, let's see. Valor during war and service to the armed forces during peacetime. King Carl Gustav. Look at this. Royal Order of the Seraphim. Ribbon bar of the Royal Sword. Look at this stuff. Look at this. And then they have that big chain. So when you see, like I'm bringing so much, so much uh, old archive footage in these chapters 
I'm constantly flashing up images of these guys wearing all this royal pendants and necklaces and jewelry and symbols all over their cloaks and crowns and the queen's coronation. Oh my God. The symbolism in that is unbelievable. This always looks like the sun to me, but yeah. Royal Order of the Sword is a Swedish order of chivalry and a military decoration created by King Frederick I of Sweden back in 1748, together with the Order of the Seraphim, the Order of the Polar Star, awarded to officers and originally intended as an award for bravery and particularly long or useful service. So basically, your allegiance to the crown will be rewarded. Right, Bono? Yeah? Go down to Buckingham Palace to go get knighted by the queen for your services in what? Woodstock or whatever, or whatever Bono did from U2. Why are these guys getting knighted? Why are musicians getting knighted? Only certain ones too. Um, uh, just a big thing. You got the knight, the commander, and the commander of the Grand Cross. So yeah, just a whole history to go read up on. And this is just on Wikipedia. It's just like a general entry on this. Probably a whole, there's, these are the books that still need to be written. Really go and dissect it all. But where's that other one? The I want to do the polar one. Yeah, the Royal Order of the Polar Star. Holy God. Just the name of this thing alone. The connections to the Polar Star, right? The star, the northern star. The high climbs of the Arctic homeland. So look at this. Interesting. And that's the star upon a star. Yeah. Or a star upon a pyramid. Cross and the star. Five grade, order of merit. See, look at that. Right, I just hover again. What symbol is at the top, over top of the knights? You got the double-headed eagle. And no, it doesn't belong to the Rothschild family. Please don't make that mistake. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to these black nobility Phoenician families. These pharaonic dynasties. And then it was given to the Red Shields who work for these orders. They are not the head of the snake by any means. Just in the modern banking world, yes. But who do they bank on behalf of? There's, your, there's the homework. Oh, they're bringing out the royal purple in this one. The, five, the little pentagram here. Again, nothing evil about the symbol, but the symbol being used, and what do they mean by it? Um, there's actually the femme fatale, the, the female Masonic orders that have this star. Uh, what's the name of their order again? It'll come to me, but they use the same one. So yeah, you could just do this forever. You do this forever. Let's move on here though. Oh, Order of the Garter. Another order of chivalry. Order of the Garter. Interesting, uh, you know, red cross, white shield. You're going to see this as a theme in these people. Arms of the most noble order of the Garter. The cross of St. George, circumscribed by the Garter. Awarded by, oh, shoot, we're jumping around. What's happening? Let's go back. See, this is what happens when I zoom in. Things, weird things happen. There we go. We're back. Awarded by the Sovereign of the United Kingdom, which would be the Queen, right? A dynastic order. So we have monastic and we have 
dynastic, and then we have chivalric. Monastic, there's your popes, there's your religious clergy priest orders. Dynastic, there's your crown, there's your kings and queens and monarchs. And then the chivalric, those are your knightly orders that defend them and fight for them and serve them. That's where their allegiances lie. They do not lie with your countries or your nations or your local community centers. They lie here. That's where it all goes. Your Klaus Schwab's, he's just a knight in the order. He's, no, he's just another pawn who doesn't serve anything other than these guys, in my opinion. At Her Majesty's pleasure. There's a whole history here. Order of the Thistle. What the hell's this? Isn't it? Oh, look at this. <laughs> Dude, we could be here forever. We could be here forever. You know what I should do? I should bring Michael Tessarian on and Gary Wayne and just go, guys, we're just going to go and surf some ancient symbols and, uh, and royal symbols. And I, I, be, I wonder, we'd have to do like a six-hour podcast on that. That'd be cool. Um, okay, but let's try to get to some more. So we got the order. There you go. You're going to see that on all the knights that surround the queen for the queen's coronation. If you go back to chapter six, at that part where I just kind of had the music and I was just kind of showing you. It was like a cool little rendition on that Iron Maiden quote about who pulls the strings. That footage is just stunning. I could watch it forever. But you see in the background, you notice these marching knights that are always marching with the royals and they wear these garbs. What do they mean? The symbol of the Order of the Garter embroidered onto the left shoulder of the blue velvet mantle of a knight. The knights serve who? The people? <laughs> Try it again. They are sworn to Her Majesty's pleasure. Um, so here you go. That's the kind of stuff you're going to see. These red, white cross symbols. You got your three royal lions. That goes back to Egypt. And before, there's the Earl of Lancaster. And I went to Buckingham Palace when I went to England. And my God, Buckingham Palace and the Tower of London. The amount of symbolism in there, you could be there forever. It's amazing. But let's move on. I'm just kind of glancing over this stuff for you. Uh, oh, Canada, please don't scroll. We need some more money from you. I'm not donating crap, okay? You guys got to earn my money. Um, get rid of that. Okay, this is what I want to show you. This is the Swabian or Swabian Circle. Imperial Circle, Holy Roman Empire. Okay, you're seeing the connections here, 1500s. It was an imperial circle of the Holy Roman Empire established in 1500 on the territory of the former German Stemduchy of Swabia. Stemduchy, is that his name? Duki, Ducky? Uh, however, it did not include the Habsburg home on the ter territories of Swabia and Austria, the member states of the Swiss Confederacy, nor the lands of the Al Alsace region of the West Rhine, which belonged to the Upper Rhinish Circle. The Swabian League of 1488, a predecessor organization, disbanded in the course of the Protestant Reformation and the Thirty Years' War later in the 16th century. So it's just about learning about the history of where this all came out of, right? What was going on back in the day. But yeah, coat of arms, there's your equilateral cross and a whole bunch of other stuff. And of course, it's all under the Holy Roman Empire. So... All right, 
Any questions or comments on that, uh, guys, before I move on here? Austria, like the middle of America. Yeah. I wonder if she was a morning star. Nizo is saying, who was a morning star? Why was Jimmy Seville knighted? Yes, Leah Worth. Exactly. Exactly. And Prince Andrew. Hello. What's going on with that guy? These people have the power to tell the media to piss off. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to cover up for their own. Here's the pilled link. Okay, can I get that? Oh, oh, I can show. Wait, no, that's not what I want to do. Why can't I even click on the link? For some reason, I can't click on the wink there, uh, Doopy Montana, but anybody that's in the chat, you go check out that link and we can uh, look at it a little bit later. But I just want to point this out. I'm really glad that this idea of a cult is really taken off, okay, about what's going on with the pandemic. Um, offguardian.org, I've been looking at their stuff since the beginning of this. They've really come out with some really good stuff. Of course, they are blacklisted by everything mainstream, but don't let that throw you off. Um, they did a whole article. They live amongst us, anatomy of a cult. And even reference they live. Great. Here you go. Give me some more vaccines. Vaccines save. Have you noticed the whole thing like vaccines save lives? It's like the old Jesus saves and, you know, this guy saves and that guy saves. They're trying to, it smacks of religious talk because they know that's what works. They know you're highly traumatized and you love that stuff. So they're just going to build that into the whole, bake it into the, to the pie. So here's their little intro. I thought it was good. Despite a preponderance of the evidence proving COVID to be a non-event for most of us, over a million people have fallen foul to vaccine injury. This should be enough to stop most people in their tracks but it hasn't. Many merge, many emerge from near-death experience even more pontifical than before, denouncing the rest of us for not joining in this mortal game of Russian roulette. Fueling their self-righteous indignation of us is other people's self-righteous indignation of them. It is a perpetual loop of blame and shame. There can be no avoiding these people, a sort of provisional mask army, the ones acting in good conscience lost to the morally virtuous superspreaders of hyperbole. They will believe whatever they hear and do whatever they're told. They've been groomed by something far more powerful than the truth called the science, and they will follow it right off the edge of a cliff. But that's only half the story. If you're unfortunate enough to die within two weeks of taking the jab, despite your best effort, the CDC might record your death as unvaccinated. The communitariat might report that you died suddenly and following a short illness. Have you guys been noticing this? And family members might take comfort in the fact that Things could have been worse, though. Washing the moral fabric. This unholy mess works because a new ideology has swept across the moral fabric. Unless you're taking an experimental medical intervention fraught with danger, you're dancing on the graves of all those who have died. Ridding people with guilt or riddling people with guilt takes away their power and blind obedience to authority does the rest as Milgram discovered in his landmark experiment. I wonder if they watched uh, chapter four of Cult of Memetics. I don't know. Either that, or we're all getting the same consciousness download stream right now because truth is shining on this planet, whether people know it or not. And everybody's picking it up from all over the place. It's going to come out of some very unsuspecting places. And it's going to be as if we're all singing the same tune because it's a frequency. 
The truth is, and it's observable, and now more minds are pointing at it, and more consciousness is pointing at it. That expands it. That changes the outcome of the experiment, guys. By us looking at this, we are changing the outcome of the global Milgram experiment that is underway right now. So don't look away. It's a crucial thing that we look at this. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But I'm glad they're referencing Milgram, and even Link if you want to go learn about it. They continue, but the fact that humanity is in, a, is in an abusive relationship with its government is only part of the problem. There's a long history of cults infiltrating police, polite society. The cult personality of Lenin and later Stalin once captured an entire nation, but never in history has the entire world fallen into a cult. Where the new normal departs from other cult archetypes is in the instruments of mass communication in the hands of a few fanatics that have infiltrated the commons and created an apathy apotheosis around COVID-19, glorifying it to the divine proportions of Christianity. It has long been understood that if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes consensus. Also of great importance to these evangelists are the decades of behavioral studies by the most distinguished experts in the field of social psychology. And they have the, the video here of the ASH experiment, which is another, just another one in a long line of thousands of experiments that have been done to understand how to achieve mass control. Now, not everyone in the ASH experiment conformed, but the reasons why many found solidarity with the group are well understood by the behavioral scientists on the payroll of the government, nudging the British people towards existential ruin. And much of what is happening today in the rank and file of the new normal has the lessons of the Third Reich written all over it. And of course, we know they went and built a secret Fourth Reich behind our, behind our uh, vision, but that's another story. If you're still oblivious to the fact that you're being indoctrinated into a cult, it's probably because you've already been indoctrinated into a cult. <laughs> That's my answer. Hey, sir, uh, could you wear your mask? Um, are, you are you aware that you've been indoctrinated into a cult? No. I rest my case. Uh, the end is nigh. Cults are established on the back of major events. Let me read that again. Cults are established on the back of major events. So if you wanted to establish a global cult, you would have to create a major event, wouldn't you? And if you couldn't create the major event, well, you could just co-opt and hijack a major event that was already unfolding, and then you could install your cult. And being that, in my opinion, when you get to the top of the medical industrial complex, well be above the Rockefellers, well above your big pharmas and your vanguards and all that stuff, you've got these, these chivalric papal uh, orders we're talking about, these secret societies, these elites. Um, these people are experts in creating cults that the world just can't help but swallow whole without thinking about it. And they can even you to weaponize those cults to say our cult's better than the other cult over there. So let's go and, you know, burn all the witches and, and go and uh, just defeat this enemy because they are a competing view to your view. And so people go, yeah, let's go to war. Let's go destroy them. And they've wept. They've done this to us for forever. So now instead of the old, let's get on a horseback and go get on a horseback and go ride into the, into the enemy camp. This is all psychological. Now it's the same process just with this modern technology and all the knowledge of your Dr. Jose Delgado's and these social engineers and psychologists. So 
Cults are established on the back of major events, typically apocalyptic in nature. These biblical, extraterrestrial, or indeed viral prophecies speak to an impending disaster and redemption. A tinderbox setting for a tinderbox setting forces. Oh, a tinderbox setting. Yeah, the, the chaos that, that they're talking about, this chaos that we're all in, forces people together under the protection of communitarianism and encourages the more zealous members to denounce, ridicule, and intimidate anyone not acting in accordance with the group. And see uh, G. Edward Griffin and Ayn Rand for more knowledge on how the group, oh, and Edward Bernays, on how the group works. De-individuation. I'm so glad they're into this here because now we're getting to the psychology, right? So Carl Jung coined the term individuation. I think he coined it, or maybe he was borrowing it. I'm not sure, but he referenced it. It was the first time I saw it where he was talking about the process of individuation. And it's, it's the same when you read what he says about that process, you know, going through the seven stages of development as a child, and we have to create an individual personality, the persona. There has to be a balancing between the anima and the animas of the psyche. And this process is individuation, meaning the child is growing to become a self, to be separate, not separate in a bad way from the group, because everybody freaks out because they just need the security of the group at all times and places, but in a way that they actually do have an identity that wasn't just all colored in by the group. So individuation in Western philosophy was seen as the highest uh, value because it was the path to creating genius minds. You can't create genius when there's all that noise of the lowest common denominator around you and you can't think. So in order to have that happen, we need to, and that is where the birth of the idea of freedom came from. So what they're saying is, this is de-individuation. Let's see what they're saying. As it is known, so de-individuation, as it is known, turns these harmless groups into psychological crowds and very often results in a mob mentality. Psychological crowds. That was a term that was used by Gustave Le Bon in his book, The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind, which I will continually remind you to go and read and learn from. Because he did a basically a psychological analysis on crowd group think, and he called it a psychological crowd. So they must have been doing their homework. Um, our need to take refuge in the herd is, after all, hard-coded into our DNA. Just as fear of social exclusion and a desire to cooperate are inherited evolutionary traits, explaining why COVID began with social isolation, which was also a technique used in the Stanford prison experiments, and why, after capitulating to every conceivable demand, we continue to be held to ransom with the threat of further social isolation. Do you see the game they're playing? I know you guys do, but we need to see it on another level here to understand what's going on. Despite the obvious abuse of power, people remain beholden to their captors through some bizarre emotional bond, strengthened every time they are released, albeit temporarily from their captivity. Oh, look at this. They're getting into Stanford for... I think they watch Cult of the Medics. Um, hierarchies. You can identify cults by their organizational structure. People are assigned a role, as in Zimbardo's Stanford Prison Experiment, and many go beyond the call of duty. The problem isn't so much that we are all in this together, it's that we simply are not. It's the cult nobility lording over the rest of us. I love that, the cult nobility. I'm going to use that one. 
In this heightened state of emergency, however, people will not only accept more authority from those who are beyond the rules, they will emulate the prevailing authoritarian order rather than become a victim of it. As Hannah Arendt discovered in her landmark thesis, ordinary people in search of purpose and direction who are dutifully just following orders, just like those chivalric knights who follow their orders from the crown, have the potential to commit the most atrocious acts of evil. It's true. Order followers have been at the brunt of many of the major historical acts of evil. Throughout COVID, these unpaid, unsolicited officers in the rank and file have spread the communicable indoctrination far wider than any bureaucrat. Yeah, so basically they used us to keep transmitting the fear and cult virus of all this. We are the... We are full to the rafters of morally superior COVID vigilantes condemning anyone for the mere suggestion that the earth might in fact orbit the sun. The resulting groupthink, if you're not with us or you're, you're against us, not only isolates new initiatives from outside influence, it removes their right to think and act for themselves and admonishes anyone brave enough to question the, the all-powerful redeemer, which is probably, I think they're referring to Fauci or someone like that. In the end, people's desire to reach unanimous agreement with the, within the group overrides their motivation for rational, intuitive decision-making. <laughs> oh my God, this is gold. This is gold, Jerry. I'm going to do it again. In the end, people's... So just, just so that you're not shocked by this anymore. I'm trying to relieve your shock. Everybody's always on Twitter like, what? They're kicked me out of Christmas dinner. What? Still people believe this? What? They're still doing this? Yes. 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 Because you need to understand this. These guys would be out of business if they didn't have so many worshipers. We're being held captive by the herd out there, not the government, not the Knights of Malta. They're just puppet masters. They're, they have no power. It's all an illusion, guys. It's all costumes and theater. They know that with all those big palaces and massive Vaticans and robes and regalia and symbols and crowns and wands and staffs, like that bishop that came out with the, the Druid staff I posted on Telegram and he's like, he's wearing two masks. He's like, Jesus would want you to go get vaccinated. Would he now? Would he now? Really? You think? Probably kick your arse beat you over the head with that Druid staff that you guys stole from the Druids when you killed them all. But anyways, um, I'm wheeling off here. This is what people need to understand. In the end, people's desire to reach unanimous agreement with the group, regardless of what it is, guys, that it's just that thing. People will argue their way and go, well, yeah, I just want what's best. And it, we, we got to save people. And we got we to gotta do this. And we got to make sure that our hospitals don't get overrun. That's not your motivation. I know it isn't. Because those things are already being debunked long ago. That is not why we're doing this. They don't fire half the healthcare workers in the entire world all at once because they didn't want to take your death jab if we're in, the, in a real pandemic. That's why your hospitals are overwhelmed. They're understaffed. So that's easily debunked, okay? The real reason why people are died in the flesh about this still is because of this. They want unanimous agreement with their group, and that overrides their motivation for rational, intuitive decision-making. Rational, intuitive decision-making is something that only exists in the individual in the world, not the group, clearly. 
clearly. So why, why do you think they want to erase individual sovereignty and even national sovereignty, which is just the next extension of the individual in the world? Because they don't want you making your own rational, intuitive decision-making. They want to make the decisions for you. They want feudalism to grace this planet once again with them at the top. Feudalism mixed with AI. <laughs> Executioners of the noon. I'm just reading this, guys, because it's so good, okay? I want people to listen to this. I know not everybody has the time to read. The habitual lies, backpedaling, and science that buckles under the lightest scrutiny is no arbitrary event. People understand they're being duped, but refuse to act on crucial information. Why? It's so bloody obvious. Because people have ulterior motives. There's an inner conspiracy going on, my friends. That's why. That's why people don't want to talk about conspiracies, because then they're caught. They know they're implicated in this. There's an inner conspiracy to avoid selfhood, to avoid the kingdom of heaven within, to remain in hell, the bowels, to remain in, in group trance thinking, which produces hell on earth, doesn't it? They're going to refuse to act on crucial information against their better judgment because of an emotional, trauma-based need to be accepted by the group. It's linked to your survival mechanisms, and they know it. It takes a lot of strength to stand up against that and to resist it. And kudos to everybody that has. I count you amongst the warriors of the highest class. So he continues, instead of, react of acting on crucial information, they assimilate to the golden age of false narratives. Encouraging people to act counterintuitively will eventually cause them to abandon personal agency altogether. Ooh, this, is, this is excellent. Because that violent buffer to critical thinking called consensus holds the opposite to be true to that which is before our very eyes. Whoever wrote this is a I love this person. They, they really know what they're talking about. In one breath, Boris Johnson implores us to get vaccinated because of the risk of virus, the risk versus the reward. In the next, he admits the vaccine doesn't protect against catching or passing on COVID. And everybody's doing this. They're all saying the same thing. And think about that. They're like, guys, we know this doesn't work, but you have to take it because it's the only way to get out of the pandemic. <laughs> Where's the math? I, can't, I need to see the math. I, you can't just say that as the answer. I need to see the process of logic that led you to be able to believe two simultaneously contradictory things at the same time. That's how you know it's propaganda and bullshit. Uh, meanwhile, his co-conspirator holds Christmas to ransom if people refuse a third shot and proceeds to threaten those who had previously been the only at-risk group which this entire debacle was supposed to be about protecting in the first place. When the lips move, brace for lies, any collusion, any collision with the real world events is entirely accidental. Sorry, my reading is crap today, guys. Um, anatomy of a cult. Okay, let's just do this part. Cults are elusive by nature, an outlier sailing under the false colors of a normal state of affairs. This is achieved by compounding cult rituals into the everyday humdrum and converting old cultural touchstones into new ideological frontiers until one is no longer distinguishable from the other. It's brilliant. It's just how they, he said about how they camouflage 
the new ideas they want you to adapt with the old ideas that you already cherish and value. And then eventually it's this weird gray area that nobody really knows for sure what's going on, but they all still feel connected to the old way of thinking, but think they're thinking like that when really there's been a brain ninja effect that's kind of insinuated this new layer of thinking while you didn't even notice. And now we can't even distinguish truth, right? That's why everybody's feeling so confused. What is the truth, Dave? I had a guy literally shout that at me when we were having a discussion, just a nice, polite discussion. We're chatting, you know, mostly in agreement, but he still had some lingering questions about whether or not, you know, this was all what they're telling us or not. And eventually it just kind of, the question of why comes blurting out, you know? The question of, well, you keep saying we have to find the truth, but like, how do you know the truth, Dave? How do you know the truth? It's the, it's the cry of a frustrated person that I can empathize with that's never been shown the process of how to determine what the truth is. Our whole lives are guided by other forces and other people and other thinking. We come in here fresh, ready to go, and then all of a sudden we're someone else that we weren't originally intended to be because we just fell prey to the influence around us and didn't develop a critical thinking apparatus and didn't develop a self and didn't know how to access the kingdom of heaven. So then we walk around and we're the ones, those are the ones that are confused. Also, facing the truth takes courage. How many people you know really do have real courage? Real courage, not the fake one, not the one everybody pretends they've got, not the machismo courage, which is bullshit hiding a shivering, quivering child in there somewhere. I'm talking real courage. Courage that you could look at an action these people have made and we're like, that is bold as fuck, man. That's courage. That takes courage. You can count on one hand the people you know in your personal life that actually have demonstrated courage in their lives. And so that's the real problem. It takes courage to face the truth. So the reason people are like, I don't know what the truth is. Well, grow a spine and learn. Stop hiding, and then you will know the truth. That's the, that's the barrier of entry to the truth. The, the, the truth is there to be seen by anybody that wants to see it, but there is a barrier of entry. And that barrier of entry is you got to get through the illusion of, of that you're in, you know, you're just there to trust everybody else and listen to them and not think for yourself. So they continue, there are numerous telltale signs you may have accidentally joined a cult from elbow bumps to muzzles, hand sanitizer to the two meter rule. There's a long history of people's superstitions being manipulated into performing irrational acts. If they can be demoralized to the point of despair and under such circumstances, people have been known to commit ritualistic mass suicide, disembowel themselves, and even murder their own children. Things are not so different today. People hold themselves prisoner inside their own homes. They risk the lives of their own children to protect those already on their deathbed. They do this for a disease which has a zero impact on overall mortality in 2021. Because those mortality numbers are manipulated by the fact that they're saying everybody's dying of COVID. Or of, who's died of Omicron? Specifically and solely due to Omicron. They don't have anybody. They'll tell you, oh, this one over here. He had a sniffle when he came in and then he died on the hospital bed. So it's COVID, it's Omicron. <laughs> it's like so pathetic. It's not science. So some have been infantilized 
meaning regress psychologically. That's the real conspiracy is to regress the human race psychologically while in, while progressing the technology and the government and the banking system. So if you can advance the government, the banking system, the technology, the big tech, the whole deal, the consumer culture, the corporations, if you can advance that, you can create the illusion that humanity is evolving, but at the same time, you're regressing and devolving the psychology, you're devolving our spirituality, you're devolving our human nature, then the Joe who's stuck in the matrix is going to go, what are you talking about, Dave? We're progressing. We're, we're not hunting and gathering anymore. I could Google something right now on my phone. That's progress, isn't it? You're doing a podcast. You're streaming live to the world. We never had that 100 years ago. We didn't even have that 50 years ago. So that's progress, isn't it? Yeah, but it's progress in one area that is centrally controlled and managed and censored and monitored. Is that progress? Are we making progress towards more human freedom and prosperity? Are we making progress in the eternal fight against world hunger? That the Knights of Malta on their website is like, we're here to stop world hunger and help the poor, sick, and starving. We're the poor Knights of Christ. Bullshit. I say bullshit. Prove me wrong. I've just slapped the gauntlet across your face, Knights. Pick it up. Meet me on the field. Let's go. You guys are knights, aren't you? Against this frenzy of health persecution of the health persecution complex, other bizarre ideologies chip away at the social fabric. Membership to society hinges on your range of pronouns. The new cultural etiquette is wokeism. Your affinity with those who have swapped their sexual identity determines your social cachet, while your desire to find the nearest bucket paints a large target on your back. Otherworldly social theories decouple mothers from giving birth, sexualize children, and encourage toddlers to trade their gender. At the root of all of this is a flagrant attack on humanity, on nature, on carbon-based life forms. You only need, and who would do that, guys? Who would do that? And that's the big pickle everybody's in. If they're altering the world and spraying the skies and altering all the farm the farm animals and putting hormones and everything and spraying everything with Monsanto Bayer fertilizer and aren't they doing that to their own world? Aren't they doing that to themselves too? That's that's the stumbling block for people that can't understand how this works. We're not dealing with human beings, guys, in the way that you and I think of it. It's 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 a different. It's psychopathy is hard to explain. And we might even be also able to open up a thread of discussion about how we actually might not be dealing with human beings. That's another show. I'll let you speculate. So you need, you need only to observe the cult of personality visit upon, being visited upon future generations by the lionizing of Greta to catch a glimpse of how climate change will evolve into the New Age church. So they, I won't read the whole thing, but they just continue getting into the climate connection, the whole thing, because you can compare it side by side. Actually, I'm going to be doing a show very soon on my channel with Ralph Ellis. I'm going to bring him on, on Truth Warrior to just talk about his research into the climate. He wrote whole papers on this, scientific papers. Um, we've done shows in the past, but he's got some updates for us because a lot of people are thinking they keep flip-flopping between pandemics and climate. Well, it's all the same cult. They just need a threat. And they need a threat, and then they need the salvation. That's all you need for a religion or a cult. Here's the dark, evil devil over here, which is COVID. 
And here's the savior coming from the sky, riding on a white horse with armor to save you. And that's all you need. Trauma, savior. And then people go, okay, I'll, I'll listen. And then, you know, here, off we go. Off we go into the great reset. So great article by Off Guardian. I salute you. Who is the author of this? Did they put the name? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who wrote it. But anyways, congratulations on that one. Let's continue really quickly. This is an interesting book that I came across. What was this? Uh, hold on, I got to look at this. History of Naples. It's an old book. Very old. I'm not sure when it was written, but yeah, look at this. Amalfi. I brought this book up because I was looking when uh, in Philip Gardner's documentary that I featured those little clips in chapter six, he was talking about how the Knights of Malta cross actually was given to them by the Amalfi merchants. Okay. The Amalfi merchants from Naples, the Roman. There's your, you know, think about your men, um, Medici's, you know, these kind of families, papal families, incredibly wealthy leftovers from the Roman empire. And uh, so this just has, I'm not going to read it. I just wanted to show it to you. The history of the Amalfi, the Amalfi merchants. And that's where, uh, that's part of the history. That's an important piece of the history to um, the Knights of Malta. So uh, when, when we're done this, guys, all these links I'm pulling up, I'll drop them in a nice little neat post on my Telegram channel. I'll do it both on my Truth Warrior channel and my Cult of the Medics channel. Does that sound good? Because if I keep dropping it all in the chat the whole time, you know, it's just extra time here. Let's do this one now. Another little note here. Um, there was a part in there where we got into the Rockefeller Syndicate as one of my favorite pieces in that uh, chapter six, um, where I was going off the work of Eustace Mullins, his book here, Murder by Injection, a must, a must have, okay, a must read. The last chapter is called the Rockefeller Syndicate. And so that's what that section is all about. And we get into the history of the Rockefeller Syndicate. But as we were going through it, we started. he starts pulling out these different names that are all associated with these banking elites that are in all these Western countries. Okay. And so there's this thing in Canada. I'm going to do an actual show eventually on this. And it's called the Order of Canada. Okay. The Order of Canada. An order. Is that a scientific term or is that more of a religious term? I'll let you figure it out. So, and it's the alumni, the five alumni, the alumni. My God, we could look at, let's just, just for fun, before we continue, let's do this real quick. Let's just get our definitions down. Alumnus. There you go. Just the symbols of these statues. The Latin noun alumnus means foster son or pupil and is derived from the verb alleri, to nourish. To nourish. An alumnus or an alumna. So alumnus is the masculine. Alumna 
is the feminine of a college, university, or other school is a former student who has either attended or graduated in some fashion from this institution. The word is Latin and simply means student. The plural is alumni for men in mixed groups and alumnae for women. The term is not synonymous with graduate. One can be an alumnus without graduating. That's just an interesting little history of words. So we got the five alumni. So these are the graduates, right? From Queen's University. And then they get a, well, this guy's pretty old, eh? He's an alumni. So they have their own little meanings, but uh, these guys are basically being inducted. They're named to the Order of Canada. So this was back in 2019. Let's just go through this really quick. The BBC journalist and philanthropist who helped fund Nobel Prize winning research at Queen's are among the five alumni who were recently named to the Order of Canada, one of the country's highest honors. So if you live in Canada and you get named to the Order of Canada, it's considered one of the highest honors. And of course, the Order of Canada is one of the satellite orders uh, that they use to just give out degrees. And it's the motivational groups, I think, that they bring in to make sure everybody's matriculating properly in the Queensland here. So it's one of the country's highest honors. And what's interesting is these are the five, right? Brett Bellsberg or Brent Bellsberg, the Bellsberg family was one of the families that Eustace Mullins named in his book uh, that is connected to the Rockefeller Rothschild syndicate. Uh, the, the very, very elite, very, very wealthy, old lineages. I'm not saying everybody's bad, but there's an interesting financial connection. And it's always the same elite circles that keep getting put into these orders and they get to graduate and they get knighted. It's all the same. They're all a big club and trust me, you ain't in it. So Mr. Bellberg, Bellsberg is being honored for his work as a business leader and philanthropist, right? Because that's what these guys are. They're business leaders and they're philanthropists, guys. Good old David Rockefeller, business leader and philanthropist. Mayor Amschel Rothschild, also Knight of Malta, is just a business leader and a philanthropist, right? And some guys would be pissed at me for making those connections, but hey, I'm just saying, don't take those names and titles on face value. We got to get past all that stuff. Obviously, it makes it sound better than it probably is. What's he a business leader of and what is he investing in? What does he even know? He is the founder and senior managing partner of Torquest Holdings Incorporated Management Services. What's this about? Brent Bellsberg. Torquest. Eh, I don't want to keep going down this. I, I just want to show you. This is an interesting article. And I, I really do want to do some more on the history behind the Order of Canada. So we'll work on that. Uh, what's this? The Amalfi Cross, symbol of St. John. Oh, this is from the one of the actual um, St. John. It's stjohn.org New Zealand. This is in New Zealand on their own website. They actually tell you about this Amalfi Cross connection. The St. John logo incorporates the Amalfi Cross. Every part of the cross has a meaning linked to the four cardinal virtues and the eight qualities of an effective first aider. I'm sure that's all it really means, right? The four cardinal virtues. It's also the four cardinal points. Uh, the Italian Republic of Amalfi was the principal European city trading with Palestine in the 11th century. Amalfi's symbol, a white eight-pointed cross, and the name of St. John together represent the full history and heritage of St. John. More than 900 years of volunteer commitment to serve humanity. Of course. And look at that. You got your royal lions and your royal unicorns in the mix too. 
right? And maybe once upon a time, it was all ponies and rainbows, guys, but corruption has rotted the guts out of this stuff. Trust me. And then this was just another resource. I will post it for you. Um, Whale.to, they got some good stuff, good sources, uh, just like a whole bunch of different sources at once. So this is the Medical Mafia Mind Control Appendix. Okay? So this is just to give you, <laughs> look at this, just tons of, of just things to go look into. History. And it's never perfect, but there's some good stuff in here medical information control, mind control of medical doctors, right? Double think, education, vaccines, monkey business. What's that? Let me bet. Let me guess. Yeah, I won't read that. The print is too fine. But anyway, it's just another resource I want to show you. Um, there's a, a website called thevoid.uk. They've been uh, very gracious sharing out my stuff. They write lots of articles on some of this. And in November, they did a whole bit on graphene. And they just get into the research of graphene. And it's actually, they, they provide a lot of good links and sources in here, right? About the, what is graphene? Of course, graphene is a, um, well, we're all carbon-based life forms, right? And it's an element of carbon. And carbon has got six protons, six neutrons, and six electrons. Interesting enough. So when you hear all this stuff about Mark of the Beast, 666, they're actually just identifying your, your carbon-based life form. <laughs> all those carbon-based life form humans, yeah, those are the beasts that are here to give the gods their ease, right? If you read the Popol Vuh. So if you get marked, it's the same as marking a cow. So if you're marked as the beast, it's not the mark itself. You're already marked in your genome. That's another story. But anyways, um, the graphene being put into this, into these vaccines, this is what I keep hearing. I don't have the big bombshells on it. Although uh, my good friend Josh Reed on his show, The Red Pill Project, he's interviewed a bunch of doctors and experts on that. And he's like, he believes 100% that's what's in there. But even if it wasn't in some of these shots, they are planning on putting it in everything. It's the future right? Graphene. And there's many positive uses for graphene. Graphene is not good or bad. It's just a, it's a miracle material, but it is one of the necessary elements for them to create this new matrix 5G. You're all hooked up to the board type world. It's one of the key ingredients. So just another good little resource. I'll share this out. Go check it out. Thevoid.uk. They also have a Twitter channel, which you can follow. So yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, let me come back here. I've been minimized long enough. Let me just make sure. Okay, let's just quickly go. And sorry if I'm missing any questions or comments, guys. I just want to get through this because there's a lot and I don't want to keep you too long. So there's another little bit, a quote here from Archbishop Vigano that was just too long for me to add on top of the other selected quotes that I had. Um, he's just another Vatican insider who's blowing the whistle on the fact that there's much corruption going on in the Roman church, um, that there are actual Satanists operating in Rome in the Vatican, surprise, surprise, um, and that this whole thing about the New World Order Great Reset is nothing new, and they've known about it for a long time, and all the conspiracy theorists were right. <laughs> what do you want me to say? It didn't come from some, some nobody. That was from an archbishop from Rome. 
Okay. So let's hear what he says. He says this operation, he's talking about the pandemic. Okay. Specifically, this operation required meticulous preparation and needed the participation of large parts of the public institutions and the private sectors, including the complicity of the judiciary of law enforcement and of the media. These combined efforts are a real coup d'etat and the pandemic is just a pretext. The prophesis through which is in introduced the seeming inevitability of the violation of fundamental rights and the consequent establishment of the totalitarian regime of the new order. And for real details on that, read Eustace Mullins' book, simply titled The World Order. That's another good reference. In this new order, the pandemic superstition reigns supreme with its magicians, its vaccine temples, its irrational rituals, and its excommunications of sinners, fetandi, or which means to be avoided or to be shunned. Those who do not agree to give up their reason even before apostatizing from their faith in order to embrace this insane ideological madness are expunged. I love his, so even Archbishop Vigano agrees with me on this cult of the medics, on this cult, even with the COVID cult, you could call it. He's using religious language. He's saying, this is, this is the pandemic of superstition. It has its magicians, right? Which are all these rent-a-doctors on television, like Fauci and all these other twerps. It's got vaccine temples, right? And you're, you're called to temple. Did you notice that? You're called to temple. Right? Like they would ring a bell, come to the church. They would do the Allah, and everybody would go to the mosque. They would do the call to temple for the Jews. They would bring, you know, the ringing of the bells in Tibet. Come to the temple. Come to the sacred place. Come to listen to the gods and the priests tell you how to live your life. Well, you're called to temple when you're told, hey guys, we got your vaccine ready for you. You can make an appointment right over here, and we'll see you at 3 p.m. on Sunday. And you go and you book your appointment and then you stand in line with everybody else like you do at Costco and uh, you, you enter the temple, you're anointed with the holy oil and now you are saved by the blood and body of Christ. That's the same routine, okay? So you got your vaccine temples, you've got irrational rituals like covering up your breathing holes of your children for two years straight. That's always a, that's going to work out well. And it's got excommunications. Like John Wick, excommunicado, T-minus five minutes. Excommunicado. Who is excommunicado? All the doctors, all the nurses, all the paramedics, all the police officers that have spoken out, all the journalists, people that used to write for prestigious medical journals that come out and go, wait a minute, <laughs> this Omicron thing is no more than a sniffle. They're like, silence! You'll be excommunicated from the holy order. And they're the sinners. Those are the sinners. He calls them the fitanti. They're to be avoided. They're to be shamed and mocked. Those are the, we're all the, all of us that know this is bullshit and don't want to go along with the crowd mind control. We're in the stocks and barrels having tomatoes thrown at us right now. That's how they want us. Just like in the Middle Ages. Because there's nothing new under the sun. So I thought that was an interesting little statement. So it seems this cult thing's going around. Let me see what else I had here, just quickly before we get some comments in there. 
They did the Black Death. Oh, it was a whole th that section on the Black Death. I had to really skim through it. Um, so much I could get into on that. I'll have to revisit Cult of the Medics and like make whole new series out of just little portions of it. It's so big. You got the cloning and breeding programs. That's another point I want to bring up later. The cloning, the human cloning and the breeding through uh, the scientific process. How many of your friends can't have kids now? They have to go get inver inverto or in, what is it? Inverto? In vitro? They got to go get it done like that. Does it have anything to do with the altering of the food supply and the environment and the air supply? Whatever they're putting in the water as to why we can't have kids so easily anymore? This also wanted to point this out that notice how many times your television science doctors and these Fauci's and all these people, Dr. Tam and all this, notice how many times they use the term, we believe. That would be a good drinking game. Next time there's a live stream of what the new law is going to be um, for the cult members, we should do a shot every time they say, we believe. <laughs> we believe. I'm a believer. That's what these people are. They're believers. They're believers. What's the word believe? The word lie is right in the middle of the word believe. I don't want to believe anything. I want to know. I want to know things for sure. I want to know. I want to know. I want to have faith, real faith, the faith that can move mountains, not faith in some false idol. I don't want to be live. I want to know. Does the vaccine work? Is it safe? Is it necessary? Should it be forced on everybody? Did you do comparative analysis? Why are you censoring and excommunicating everybody that shows contrary data? I want to know. I don't want to believe anything. Does ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, natural therapies, basic overall building of your immune system, does that work in confronting viruses and flus or not? I don't want to believe anything. I want to know. So, so much more to get into on this anatomy of a cult. Um, I think I got through all the quotes. The section on the deep church is a whole other deep study. The history of that, again, nothing new. Charles Chinique, Baron Avril Manhattan. Baron Avril Manhattan, I, I rest my case. Just go read from an Italian aristocrat who was, in, who was deeply involved with the Knights of Malta and saw it all firsthand. Came and wrote a book called Vatican Billions. You know, the comparison, the, the, the church involvement in the Nazi regime. Like, what do you think that's about? Do you think, why didn't the Vatican, this is my thing, why do, why do these institutions that commit grave crimes against humanity, be it pharmaceutical companies or these type of orders or these type of big religious institutions, they can be involved in genocide and they still get to remain in business. You and I get caught not wearing a mask or showing a vax pass, we're kicked to the curb and we have to live like live in the woods like that that's amazing that shows you everything you need to know one law for thee but not for me where did that even come from that's feudalistic thinking and that's how these people think and they dream after they lost 
their control through the that system where all the feudal lords owned everything and everybody else just rented from them and they were happy, remember, right? You want to talk about Klaus Schwab saying you'll own nothing and be happy? We already tried that experiment. It's called the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages. We already tried it. And I don't think anybody was really happy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had a renaissance and a revolution. We wouldn't have had any of that. So they just want to bring it back because they, they, they're like, hey, we had to go through this big detour of freedom for a while just to keep them, you know, pacified. But it's time to come back home. You've been called to church. The church of the world is not what you think it is. Yeah, Malachi Martin, James Parton, General Lafitte, Samuel Morse, George Washington himself talking about the Jacobins. Who do you think he's talking about? And a lot of these guys are involved in their own orders. Some of them with good intentions, some of them not. Some of them ignorant, some of them full, fully aware. So dispelling that myth of, oh, secret societies, what's, how does that relate to anything? Well, I just posted on my um, Telegram a quote from, uh, where is it? Let's go to Cult of the Medics Telegram here. Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli. Okay, so again, going to very eminent people. The governments of the present day, he's speaking in his time. I'll look up his dates after. The governments of the present day have to deal not merely with other governments, with emperors, kings, and ministers, but also with the secret societies, which have everywhere their unscrupulous agents and can at the last moment upset all the government's plans. I could regale you with endless quotations like that from various government officials and monarchs from the past that found out, hey, they're getting infiltrated themselves. They're realizing they worked their whole lives to be anointed king or duke or prince of some land, and then they're not the ones in charge, and they got to take orders from guys behind the curtains. And they're like, what? And they wrote about it. And they, there was even actions that were taken by some of these nobles, not all of them evil, that were trying to fight and rout out this secret society infiltration. So that's another history. And then, of course, uh, the Club of Rome. I mean, Dr. Coleman saying the Club of Rome is a conspiratorial umbrella organization. It's a an umbrella corporation, right? A marriage between the Anglo-American financiers and the old black nobility families of Europe, particularly the so-called nobility of London, Venice, and Genoa. Right? Just double check something quickly here. Yeah, Genoa, Italian merchants, city in Italy. It's a city in India, or a city in Italy. And it's the maritime, the maritimers. When you know the history of your maritime admiralty law, oh my God, getting into the Italian merchants, the Amalfi, the Silesian pirates the black nobility, the, you know, and the fact that, again, another connection there that was made really briefly in chapter six was the symbolism of Vanguard. When um, Philip Gardner was sharing about how the Templars and the Knights Hospitallers had created the biggest naval fleet in history, unlike the world had ever seen before. They were the pirates of the Caribbean. Right? 
That's where you get that false flag from. They would switch flags on their ship to pretend they're from the other side, and then they would jump on board your ship and take it over. That was an old technique. It didn't just start with 9-11. And um, the symbol of Vanguard is what? But a big ship, a big naval ship. So when people are like, who owns Vanguard? I've given you my theory. I can't prove it. I just use the symbolism. But I'm like, well, if you want to get to the top of the food chain, let's go see what's going on in Rome. And these guys who have wealth beyond your wildest imagination, who already conquered the world numerous times over. You think they went away? You think they're conceding their power to a couple bankers or a couple guys on Wall Street? There's connections there, but there's no, you got to go to the top of the snake and uh, realize who the real families of power are. You can get into your 13 bloodlines and all that. But um, the high seas, who controlled the seas? Who controlled naval fleets? It wasn't the Vikings. They had their day, but trust me, it's these guys that took over. And I find it interesting that Vanguard is this mysterious thing that's kind of invested everywhere and profits off every single transaction on the planet. When we got statements from the papal popes, from Boniface to all these guys who've come out and said, we claim ownership of the souls of the earth. We own mortal men. You know, and you're wondering who's profiting off every transaction on the earth and you can't find out the hierarchy up there. I think it's these guys. Vatican Bank, Lucius Trust. Man, it's a whole story to get into on that. So... There's some of my notes, guys. Again, it's just a small little sampling. I just wanted to go through a few things. And right now, um, we'll do a few minutes. If anybody has any questions that have popped out at them, again, toss them in the chat in all caps. And I'll be focusing right now on Twitch and DLive because I can see it really easily. Um, I could also, hold on, I could jump onto Rockfin too real quick. I don't know why this computer that I have right now, it doesn't work well with the Foxhole link, although I could try. But let me just, just real quickly, if you got any um, questions there, let me know. Let me just mute this. Smedley Butler. Someone's mentioning Smedley Butler. Yep, check out Smedley Butler. David Castillo's asking me on Rockfin, ushering in the new digital age, death of the analog age? Yep. They got to upgrade humanity. You're the smartphone now. That's why they put that technology in your hands so that you get used to it and for when you're the phone that's going to be updated by all these shots that you have to have every couple months now. You see how much graphene they can get into people. Who owns the quantum computer? There's just one. And where is it? Oh, quantum computing, I think, is a... Yeah, that... This gets into the black budget world, the, the, the secret space programs and the, the history of all that, the underground bases. <laughs> Trust me, there's a whole underground world of where this technology comes from. By the time the surface, us surface dwellers get the, the technology, it's already been around for probably 50, 100 years. That's what many have speculated is that it's that far ahead and then they roll it out over time in the public market. But behind the scenes... They've got far more advanced technology than you can imagine. So, 
Well, guys, I'm not seeing any questions jump in there right now. So um, I think we've done a good time here. Thank you so much for joining me on this. What was this? The 27th? I'm going to take a few days off and um, just try to hang out with my family and recoup and re-energize. And then uh, January, February, we're going to be building. Oh, my God. I, every time this person really wants me to go to this link, but every time I hover over it on my end, I can't. You know what? Hold it. Hold it. Give me a sec. Maybe if I go right on DLive instead of Restream, I can do it. What's up? <clears throat> okay. Here. Come on now. Oh, it, it's going to work. All right. Uh, Doopy Montana. I have no idea what we're going to look at here, but let me pull it up. I, I'm able to make it work. Let's see what this person's sh showing us here. So we got 4D L Day. Okay, interesting title. We got Evergreen. So is this like a stack here? This is a culmination of about two years of research into bloodlines, which oddly enough just came into focus the past two weeks. Their belief system is based on two key myths from ancient Egypt, the Osiris myth and the creation myth. Going through some of these different terms, the evergreen extended family of oppressors, has likely existed since the beginning of civilization with different authoritarian factions, empires vying for supremacy of Earth. 666, throughout history, under the above definitions, the Messiah would be a pharaoh with Osiris, possibly the god of life and the afterlife restored to his rightful place. Please view the enclosed PDF for symbolism history. Very cool. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll take a look at this, Doopy, and um, we can definitely chat more about it. It's interesting. I mean, just getting into the history, and there's always going to be maybe different ways of interpreting these things. Um, kind of depends how we look at it, what lens we're looking through. But the point is that this is definitely these people believe in their bloodlines and they believe in the, the lineage of their ideology and uh, in their, their right to rule. So getting into that history is really, really interesting and there's so much out there and I'm glad to see that you've written that up. So I'll take a look. So thanks for sharing. So that's a wrap guys. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here, go eat some dinner, hang with the family and just want to thank you all for your incredible support, your kind messages and emails, um, your donations, your contributions. Anytime you're sharing out this work, it means a lot. It helps a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a lot more coming your way in, in this new year that's coming up. And let's try to keep focused on what the world we want. What, what, what world do you want to live in? And we got to start thinking about that. And I'm not one of those people that believes we can just think our way out of this stuff. But I think it helps um, make it crystal clear what kind of world you want to live in, what kind of life you want to have, what kind of life you want for your children and for future generations. Do we want to live as slaves or do we want to be free? And uh, that's the we have to think about it. We have to believe in it, not believe. We have to know it. We have to know it. We have to have that that next level of what we call faith, which is just that deep 
conviction in your what you know, you know? And when we put that intention out there, just by the fact that we are observing our reality in this world through that lens of having an aware, grounded, very uh, deep-seated knowledge of the reality of the world, but also being able to project in the vision that we want to create, the world we want to see, even if it's not the world, even if it's just for your world, right? Let the world do what it's going to do. It's got to go through a cleansing cycle. Well, nothing we can do about it. But what world can you create for yourself? That's what I did with, with my family this Christmas. We made Christmas ours. We celebrated it in our way, what it meant to us with the people we love, regardless of what the health orders said. They're not, I don't, I don't listen to tyrants. So <laughs> of course, you know, we're going to celebrate it our way and we're going to create that in, the, in our children and we're going to breed that positivity in them and that optimism and that uh, connection to family and friends and joy and celebration and celebrating the season, the, the seasonal change. We're in, a, we're in a period of seasonal change, both in terms of the actual season, you know, moving into the winter months, you know, the death of the old sun, the rising of a new sun, right? The birth of a new sun. The, the whole thing is written over your head, by the way. <clears throat> and so you celebrate it in your way and you teach your children that and you say, hey, we can make the world we want. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to feel like we're limited because we're being barred access from society because we're taking a stand for the truth. That's the positive thing that we're doing and we're going to celebrate that, you know? So that's what I'm trying to do. I recommend um, you for yourself as well. Stay optimistic. Uh, stay out of that thinking of, oh, it's over. We're doomed. 2022, they're just going to unleash hell on the world and everything. Hey, it might happen but you're equipped and you're ready and you're bred for this time. Otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here right now. You've answered the call and um, we just have to keep answering that call and never quit. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care the crazy things that might happen or not happen. We never quit. We never surrender because we're warriors and we know that the truth is going to win out in the end. So that's what I got for you guys. Merry Christmas, happy new year, happy solstice, all that good stuff. And I will catch you very soon back here on Truthware. All right. Be well, guys. Cheers.